following podcast is brought to you by the Indie Media Network. Gentlemen, welcome to the Black Podcast. What's up, everybody? How y'all I doing? I am half of your team. I'm the other half. That pretty much makes a whole, huh? Hey, that's what we call it. <laughs> my name is Cameron Todd Scott, a.k.a. Darker Than Most, and I am joined by my co-host. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, call me 5150, because I'm halfway there, and most of the time I'm not. But that's 101, though. Math is not what we're doing here, man. We're talking <laughs> to the people. We don't, we don't need that, Mr. Intelligence Face. Let's have a heartfelt moment and wish everyone, not wish everyone, because it's gone now. But let's just say to everyone that we hope you had a happy holiday season. Happy Thanksgiving. How was yours, bro? I just chilled, man, for Thanksgiving for the most part. Uh, Played a little Grand Theft Auto, which was very fun. (laughs) Well, I had a great Thanksgiving because my daughter was here from college. I love you, Peanut. My baby was here and spent some time with me. I didn't get to meet her. I know. You were busy. You were on set. Be in place next time. Excuses, excuses. But anyway, again, I had a great time. Everything was cool. I kind of went through withdrawal when she left because I was sad, but I'm cool now. I'm good. We're doing the podcast. So let's go. Let's do it. First up, trending topics. Hey, man. What's going on in the news, bro? A little bit of everything, but not everything that I want to really hear about. But I will tell you this. What is really kind of um, catching me right now and getting my attention is the fact that my dude, You know, I mean, we've talked about him before, Colin Kaepernick, man, but that dude made the cover GQ magazine. And citizen of the year, citizen of the year, man. And that's something big, especially with what's going on right now, surrounding him, surrounding the protests, surrounding the NFL, surrounding the mistreatment of black players by white owners. It definitely pissed a lot of white people off. That's cool, though. I mean, sometimes pissed off is good. He said that's cool. Hey, pissed (laughs) off is good, you know, especially if it's for the right reasons. And the thing about it is this people have wanted Colin Kaepernick to say something for a long time. He will speak on so many other issues, but when it comes to his football career, he will not utter a word. No. He doesn't say anything about it, and I think that is extremely commendable. So you kind of wonder, okay, what's going on in his GQ magazine? What is he saying? Well, he hasn't said anything, but there are other advocates speaking on his behalf. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's amazing, man. Let me go off on a bit of a tangent here for a moment, and I want to address some of the uh, Kaepernick supporters. Now, you and I talked about it. I know that you are boycotting the league. You know that I am not. Although I do support Kaepernick and his cause. We've made that clear time and time again. However, there are some people who are totally lost in this entire thing. There are some people who are caping for Kaepernick to get his job back, but that's the extent of your activism. You're only advocating for this man to get his job back, but you're not advocating for the cause that he's fighting for. Social injustices, police brutality, and things of the such. But you'll boycott the league and you won't watch this or you won't buy from that person or that person because they support NFL. But you're not doing any groundwork in the streets. So until you up your game and actually get on board with what Kaepernick is protesting in the first place, y'all just shut the hell up. Because at this point, it's just annoying. Speaking of shutting up, Donald Trump, of course, he's been in the news mostly on Twitter because of his ongoing beef with some very important politician. Oh, no. It's just the father of a basketball. Just a dad. Yeah, just a dad who <laughs> is um, 
raising his sons the best he can. He's done a damn good job at it. So for all of those people who look at LeVar Ball as somebody who is ignorant and all that other good stuff, look at him, first of all, as a positive black man and somebody who is currently present and has always been present in the lives of his sons. So he is a good father. Now, what he will not do, though, is kowtow to the president of the United States, who is trying to take all of the glory for getting his son, who foolishly attempted to steal something while in China, off the hook and back into the United States. Well, because LeVar Ball is LeVar Ball and decided not to say thank you, kiss his feet and hold on to the ring or anything else like that, Trump has said that maybe he should have just left the ball boy and his two accomplices over in China. This is hilarious to me, man, because for one, LeVar Ball couldn't give two shits about what Donald Trump thinks about him. I promise you that. But more so, LeVar Ball does not owe Donald Trump a thing. LeVar Ball never stole anything. LeVar Ball was not potentially going to be held in prison for 10 years in China. If anyone owes Donald Trump anything, it's LeAngelo Ball, who's the one who was over there, who's the one that got caught attempting to shoplift. So idiot. Exactly. The idiot. And so if Donald Trump actually had something to do with it, then LiAngelo should owe him an apology. But guess what? LiAngelo publicly thanked Donald Trump and said he appreciates whatever help he did to get him back. I don't think he did anything. I don't personal. think he did a damn thing. I don't think thing. he did a thing. Nope. Because during the interview that LeVar Ball had with whatever news site it was, he was telling him, he's like, look, before Donald Trump went over there or, or did anything, I was on the phone already talking to people as well. So I was trying to get him back myself. So Donald Trump can't come in and just say, you know, hey, I take all credit for this. You know, so maybe it was the longest phone call ever or the biggest meeting ever or the best whatever it is. But he was not the only person if he did anything at all. So, Don, dude, LeVar owes you not a damn thing. If you notice, I said very little on that topic because I am tired of talking about Donald Trump. That's your dude. No, it's not my dude. That was your man. It's not my president. That was your man's in them. He's not my president. And I don't care how petulant that makes me sound. I don't either. He is not my president. Never. And as far as I'm concerned, America is not my country mm. until they rectify this problem that sits in the White House right now. Ta-da. What else you got, man? Because I'm done with Trump. Man, look, I am too, but I'm not done with your girl, Wendy Williams, um, who has kind of, I can't even say she pissed me off. She doesn't, she's not powerful enough to piss me off. However, the topic itself kind of throws me for a slight loop. And I'm talking about Terry Crews who has come out and vocalized the assault done to him by a Hollywood agent at a party. Adam Vennett. Yeah, Adam Vennett, while he was standing there with his wife. Mm -hmm. Now, Wendy Williams' response to that is that Cruz's career is going to take a big hit for it. And one of the things she said is what happened was Adam probably got an envelope full of money, was told to go chill out for a little while, and then wait till this all blows over and comes back. So what really bothers me is that, especially now, we're talking about this rape culture. We're talking about the insensitive way that, especially men of power, handle assault, rape, um, manipulate women. And we urge them to speak out, constantly say something. It doesn't matter how long it's been. We urge them to speak out against it. However, when a man as big as Terry Crews, as strong as Terry Crews, as black as Terry Crews, decides to come out and say something, he gets ridiculed by a black woman. That bothers me. Wendy Williams bothers me. She has always been a vile woman. I have no love for Wendy Williams. I have no respect for Wendy Williams. A lot of people know Wendy Williams from the television show. And that's that cleaned up, polished version that the networks put on TV. They watered it down for white people so it can be palatable for them. But we remember the Wendy Williams from radio. Wendy Williams was raggedy. She was reckless. <laughs> 
And she would do whatever it took to gain the spotlight. She would talk about people and just run people down mercilessly. I never fooled with Wendy Williams because I don't like people like that. I don't like people with that type of energy. So just because she's on this talk show now and she doesn't do it because of the platform she's on, that doesn't take away the fact that she's still that person on the inside. She's internally messy. So the comment that she made pertaining to uh, Terry Crews was irresponsible. As a black woman, it was stupid. And I don't fool with Wendy. Moving right along, man. Let's go ahead and jump into the blackest shit we heard all week. The blackest shit we've heard all week. I had another topic, man, but I just couldn't help but recently walking into the house of a friend and um, noticing two Christmas trees. It's right after Thanksgiving, so it's real cool to go ahead and put up your Christmas trees now. You are savage, bro. I gotta be, You man. are savage. Everybody can get it, Cam. Wow. Everybody you are savage. <laughs> but when asked about the two Christmas trees and full-grown Christmas trees, people, why the two Christmas trees, the response was, well, my brother lives here with me, another adult person. <laughs> and so, of course, the inquiry came as to, well, why would you have to have two Christmas trees just because your brother lives here? And the answer was, well, because he likes his decorated one way and I like mine decorated another way. So basically, you rather spend the money, take up all that damn space in your house for two Christmas trees because you and your sibling cannot figure out a way to decorate one Christmas tree in a house full of adults. So to me, only black folks would do some shit like that. And that became my blackest shit I've heard all week. To the person this story pertains to, just know this has nothing to do with me. You are savage, bro. It was not a secret, wow. man. Hey, I let it be known. You know, you me. went for the juggler on that one. <laughs> I'm transparent, ladies and gentlemen. I may be in the studio alone next week. Uh, <laughs> I might not be allowed to come to the studio. Oh, my for goodness. me, the blackest shit that I've heard all week was in Arlington Heights, Illinois. Three men were arrested around midnight during the robbery of a family-owned jewelry store. The store had been closed for a few hours, and the robbers thought this would be a perfect time to pull off a quick in-and-out heist. The men successfully picked the lock on the door on the side of the building and somehow managed not to set off the store's silent alarm. All signs indicate that the thieves would have gotten away without a trace. That is, until one of the men decided to take out his cell phone and Facebook Live the robbery while in progress. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the Arlington oh Heights Police Department gosh. started receiving calls about the live stream and dispatched officers to the scene where the three men were still inside. The men were all arrested without incident and are now currently awaiting trial. Not only is that the oh dumbest thing I've heard all week, this is also the blackest shit I've heard all week. Hey, man, look, I'm sorry. We, we usually only do two, but I got to go to the tangent off of this. Go ahead, man. And since I'm already digging my grave, Cook, I might bro. as well grip, Cook, dig my grave with another good friend of mine whose brother decided to burglarize his neighbor's house in a snowstorm. And walked right back home. So <laughs> all of the footprints in the snow went right back to his window. That too was the, the blackest black shit, shit we've heard. Of course, it was a black person. Let's move into our black light segment. This week for my black light, I'm going to shine my light on Jason Wilson. Jason Wilson. Jason is the founder and head instructor of the Cave of Adelum Transformational Training Academy in Detroit, Michigan which focuses on the positive transformation of young boys and young men. Now, a lot of you may have seen Jason and not known who he was. He's the guy who you may have seen the YouTube clips, the guy in the dojo with the little young black boys, and he'll have the boys punching oh, the board, and the little boys started crying. The little guys start crying. And yes, he was like, it's yes, okay yes. to cry. It's okay to express your feelings. That's Jason Wilson. Okay. And Jason started the academy in 2007, and he uses martial arts, life experiences, and biblical principles to help his students maneuver through life. 
And one of its primary goals through the academy is to equip each student with the necessary tools to help them grow into honorable and productive men. And I thought that was cool because, you know, too often we see the negative that's highlighted when it comes to young boys and young men. But Jason chose to take a different approach and focus on the positive potential that each child possesses. I went on his website and I was reading through it. And you can really tell that he views each of his students as an individual and not just a statistic. And because of this, he selflessly pours himself into his mission and into his ministry, which is the nurturing of young boys and young men into leaders of tomorrow. So if you want to find out more about Jason Wilson and the amazing work that he's doing, you can check him out at thecaveofadalum.org. That's the cave of Adalum. Adalum is spelled A-D-U-L-L-U-M.org. And you can also find him on Twitter at Mr. Jason O. Wilson, the letter O, and that's at Twitter, Jason O. Wilson. And that is my black light for the week. And I'm extra proud of that brother, man, because he's doing exceptional work with those young men. I've seen some of his videos and he's got an inspirational manner that just seems to bring those boys out of anything that they're dealing with at the time. And he definitely instills something in them that they're going to hold on to for the rest of their lives. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that, man. Great black light. Thank you, sir. My black light comes on this week for one of my Facebook friends and his name is Jerry Brown. And he is the founder and CEO of a company called Man Up Worldwide. And we're always talking about, of course, this is a black show. So one of the demographics that get a lot of blowback is the black man as it relates to fatherhood. And what Man Up Worldwide is, it's an initiative that raises the awareness and the fact that a father's presence is priceless. And one of his favorite quotes, and I think it's actually his quote, is find something to die for and live for it. And so through his media campaigns, which you can find on Man Up Worldwide on Facebook, his merchandising, his Facebook posts and the positivity, everything he does is to uplift the black man, the black father, and to shine light on the children of the world and those men who are in their lives. And he will not allow black fathers to be forgotten. He will not allow us to go to the wayside and he will make sure that no matter what the statistics are, there are also statistics that show that black men are present in their children's lives. Mm -hmm. So, I just wanted to take out this time to shine a black light and give a big shout out to my man, Jerry Brown. You can find him and please like his page at Man Up Worldwide. It's on Facebook. Jerry Brown, Man Up Worldwide. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break. Sit tight. We will be right back. If you have an online service or product you would like to advertise on the show, please contact us at theblackpodcast at gmail.com. That's the black podcast at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Even Drake came back. I appreciate the studio still being open for me. <laughs> All right. We are getting ready to move into our main topic. This one actually stems off of a question that we were asked last week. So let me thank Jen from Tennessee. If you remember, Jen asked the question, what are some things that black men have in common that they have trouble expressing and how could black women support black men better in general? That's pretty good. You did that from rote memory, huh? I ain't too bad, man. Mm-mm. But anyway, that got me to thinking about how can black men and women communicate more effectively with one another? So does being black play a factor into how black men and black women communicate with one another? I'll tell you this. Basically, because we are black, I think being black plays into how we do everything. And you can even just look at the way we dress, the way we walk, the style of music we listen to, what we find funny as far as jokes and comedy. Our blackness 
has everything to do with who we are. So it's definitely going to play a part in our communication processes. Does being black play a factor into how black men and women communicate with one another? Yes, it does, because as black people, we just move differently. There's a rhythm to us that no other race has. And that's not saying that we're better than any other race or anything like that. It's so just you're a, speaking from a nonverbal communication, nonverbal communication. Mm-hmm. I'm getting to the verbal because okay. it bleeds over. Gotcha. But we just move differently. We think differently. Our experiences have been different from other races in this country. And because of that, we look at things through a different lens. And because of that internal intake, we externally verbalize things differently. So there are ways that we speak to one another that are for lack of a better term, you know, shorthand. There are things that we can express without having to go deep into it because on a spiritual level, on a mental level, on a psychological level, we just get each other because of the things that we've gone through and the things we've overcome. So a lot of times we don't have to say things because it's just there. However, because we do know each other and we groove so well, we don't always communicate in effective ways. And I think that hurts us a lot of times. That's the key. Effective, man. Effective communication. It's like people talk about practice makes perfect. I think that is the biggest crock of shit because practice doesn't make perfect. If I'm practicing wrong 100 percent of the time, I'm going to play wrong. So perfect practice makes perfect. You can communicate, but if it's ineffective, you're not doing anything with it. So let me move to my next question. With historical context given, i.e. slavery, Jim Crow, etc., How has that affected the way that black men and women communicate today? That is a multifold question, I'm thinking, because as you're asking that question. I got time, bro. Yeah, (laughs) that's good. (laughs) As you're asking that question, I'm going back to, and of course I wasn't there, but the thought and the ideas of slavery as it related to the divide and conquer that Willie Lynch tried to instill and the stuff that he tried to teach the slave owners as control methods. And at that time, there was that love that pushed that man and that woman together. But of course, the slave owners got to a point to where they figured, hey, if we can divide these folks up, then when it comes to the selling block or the trading block or when it comes to us raping your women or whatever, if we can divide you guys, then that's the way we can overtake them. Well, flash forward to the Jim Crow era. It became more of a protective thing. And I think men in so many ways said, you know what? This happened so many years ago, it's not going to happen today if I can help it. Because right now, the battles we're fighting affect us. And without us, we can't have these families. Without us men, what happens to our women? And I can't sit by in this city, in this South, and allow my woman to be ravaged, to be violated by anyone. So I'm going to now speak more hedges of protection over my woman. Or I'm going to speak more confirmation that no matter what, I'm going to be here and that I'm not going to let go. So I think it was more of a confirming type communication at that point and trying to get that message across to not only the wife, but to the children as well that, hey, I'm going to do whatever it takes, even if that means that I'm going to have to sacrifice myself for this family to make sure you guys are not going to have to go through what our ancestors had to go through before we got to this point. Given the historical context of slavery and the Reconstruction era, Jim Crow, segregation, I'm going to give an opposing answer. I think that has affected our communication in this sense. During those periods that I mentioned, it was purposed that black men were stripped of their manhood. They were emasculated in front of their women, in front of their children, in front of each other. True. And psychologically, that conditioned black women. And it was done on purpose. It conditioned black women to see that they could not depend on their men. You know, you'd have the slave master grab a black man's wife from out of the field, take her in the cabin and have sex with her. And there was nothing that he could do. Mm -hmm. 
as the slave master is dragging this woman off to the cabin, she's looking at her husband, wondering, aren't you going to help me? Aren't you going to do anything? And he's looking back at her. And even in that, even in those looks, just a communication of what can I do? I'm helpless. Yeah. If I come for you right now, they're going to kill me, mm-hmm. possibly kill you. So he was just at a point of pure helplessness. And even though I know, and I'm trying to put myself, and I know it's impossible, but as best I can, I'm trying to put myself in a woman's shoes during that situation. Mm. I know she understands of him not being able to help, but I know she still wanted him to be able to. So resentment crept in. It had to, because really that's the only way that she could deal with that type of dissonance that she's carrying. Resentment had to sneak into her psyche about her man. And now it's, I can't depend on the person who I'm supposed to be able to depend on. And that can't help but affect communication. But do you think that was the beginning of the end of that consistent black father presence? Do you think that mental situation is what actually drove the man away? I won't say drove him away, but I will say that was the catalyst that spearheaded where we are today. And the reason why I say that is slavery was not a natural thing. Not at all. Jim Crow was not a natural thing. Reconstruction was not a natural thing. Buck breaking, that was not a natural thing. So when those things happened, you have these unnatural consequences as a result of those things taking place. So we look at things and we ask, well, why are things so out of whack? And why does it seem like, as it pertains to the African-American community, why is it some things that we just can't seem to get that right. other races get? Yeah, They didn't go through those unnatural circumstances like we did. And because we had to go through that, we came out on the other side with some unnatural results. A lot of things doesn't make sense because we had to endure shit that didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And you can't go through something crazy and be immersed in hatred and the vitriol that we experience and come out, quote unquote, normal on the other end, because we never received healing for that stuff we went through. Right. We went from one travesty to the next, to the next, to the next. Black people aren't 100 percent right because we haven't been treated 100 percent right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we're going to be jacked up in some ways, man, yeah. because of the things that we've gone to. And we've never had time to heal from that because, again, we just go from one mistreatment to the next. Wow. But let's move it ahead. What do you consider to be the modern day Achilles heel of communication between black men and black women? I think so often when it comes to communication, we forget that God gave us two ears and one mouth. (laughs) It's very difficult for us to listen. It's very difficult for us to accept a point of view that is not already ours. Let's say we're in a court of law. You have the defendant. You have the prosecution. Everyone has their evidence gathered. If there is a new piece of evidence that is introduced into this case, everyone has an obligation to examine that evidence and apply it to the case they already have in order to find a new reason to either turn the way that trial is going to say, okay, I'm going to apply the fact that this person says the defendant was with him and these other three people all night. So this wasn't introduced. Now you are obligated to examine that new evidence. My opinion changes as the truth changes. It should change as the truth changes. And it doesn't change because we defend our right to defend our right. And it's not just saying I'm going to listen or I'm going to be objective when it comes. No, I have a right. I'm going to defend it. And one of the phrases that pisses me off so often is I can do what I want to do. You can, but should you? 
you can feel how you, you can, want to feel. but not without consequence. But not without consequence. So a lot of times we don't allow ourselves to step back and to weigh whatever other evidence is already presented against what we already think we know. So we miss so many golden opportunities. And that's exactly what they are. Golden opportunities to continue to make good things happen in progressive conversation, effective conversation and moving relationships forward because we won't step back to at least examine and hear other points of view. And I think that is one of the biggest hindrances many, many relationships have. And it's so easy to give up because we will defend our right to defend our rights. And that's it. We're not really defending anything except the fact that we're adults. What What I consider to be our modern day Achilles as it pertains to communication is, and I kind of touched on it on the last question, the fact that we don't take into consideration context. We'll bicker and argue back and forth without considering the source. And this is just people in general, but being that we're talking about black men and black women, it applies all the same. A lot of times people argue to be right. They don't argue to understand the other person. I mean, you can have a disagreement. And in that argument, I can still be looking to find the point that you're trying to make. Correct. And a lot of people don't do that. They just argue to be right. Context is the thing that allows you to fight fairly. <laughs> and a lot of people don't know how to fight fairly. Yeah. There has to be ground rules. And without context, there's no rules for fighting. So that's what I think is uh, our modern day Achilles heel. And, you know, I'm going to add to that. We've already been handicapped by the English language in and of itself. English as it stands not as much where it originated, but American is the toughest language to understand. We have antonyms, homonyms, synonyms, eminyms. There are because so many- American English is a bastard language. It is a bastard language. So one word can mean five different things. You take that and you add in modern technology with that, which is why I could say hey to you in a text message and you write back and cuss me out. I'm sorry about that, you by the thought, way. Yeah. <laughs> that's just the way he was raised, man. I'm just, <laughs> that's, yeah, that, pray for that's that Florida in you. <laughs> that's all. But it can be so taken out of context because of the way the English language is. Context will make your life so much easier in every aspect of living. Correct. Just insert context. On to the next point, to the next question, rather. And we'll wrap it up on this one. Are there any advantages that black men and black women possess as it pertains to communication? Shit, yeah. Solely due oh. to us being black. <laughs> Shit, yeah. <laughs> see? Aight. That right there, see? Aight. Aight. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so what are some of these advantages? Man, our vernacular, man. It's just cool, bro. You know? That shit is slick, ain't we- it? <laughs> I kind of like that, man. It, everything is wrapped up in our blackness, man, as it is and as it stands, man. I mean, come on. We the creators of everything. You look at any commercial, it's got a rap song in there somewhere. You got the dude on the on the Chick-fil-A commercial, which I like Chick-fil-A. And I, you know, I don't knock it. But the white dude is trying to trap rap or whatever. It, it doesn't work, but they're going to institute it because still, you know, white folks, I hope you're listening because I'm going to tell you that. But everybody <laughs> wants to be black until it's time to be black, you know, <laughs> but they still try. Why? Because we're so cool. And there's a way that we communicate with one another. Not even just our own cultures and ethnicities, but other ones. And it just transcends ethnicity. Really, it does. Just take our stride, man, our stroll. If we catch and win, you know, if we kato machi and, you know, we, we probably <laughs> dress to the nines and we getting ready to go out somewhere. Even if we're in a hurry, we're only going to walk as fast as our coolness will allow us to do it. We ain't going to rush for nothing. We're not rushing for anything, nah. man. And that definitely speaks to nonverbal communication. There is an ability for us just in our presence, in our approach. And even in our words, whether it be slang, whether it be proper air quotes English, because I hate that word, but we are able to command 
the attention of anyone we speak to. So there is a super advantage just in our blackness and in the fact that we command a room just by walking in it, that people will stop and they will hear what we have to say. Do I think there are any advantages that black men and black women possess as it pertains to communication solely due to us being black? Yes, I do. And here's the greatest one. Because we have been downtrodden for so long, because we have had to overcome so many adversities. Speak on it. Because we have been through the fire so many times. Still on fire. We are the people of empathy. If we can just grab that piece of empathy and understanding because of all the stuff we've been through and afford that to our brothers and our sisters during communication, Mm. we'd be in our own utopia tomorrow, bro. If we can just grab that one little piece and put it into effect, just understand that though we may not have the same point of view, let me just sit back and listen to what you say, because there was a time where I was going through something at the hands of someone else, and I didn't have the benefit of being listened to or heard out. So let me extend that to you because I know what it's like to be silenced or not to have your thoughts or opinions heard or validated when you express them. We know what it feels like to be shut out. We know what it feels like to be shut up. Mm. We know what it feels like to be invisible. So if we can just shine that on everyone that we come in contact with as it pertains to black communication, we would be so much well off. Y'all shut up and listen. All right. (laughs) We're going to be back with you guys in a few. Just hang on. You are an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) The Black Podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. And now it's time for this week's Open Letters. Dear Male Kiosk Solicitors, At nearly 45 years old, I am proud of the fact that when I enter the mall, I already have a pretty solid idea of what I'm there for. And not once have I ever had the impulse to purchase a 36-inch hollow-link necklace, a bad rap CD, or receive a chair massage right in the middle of the mall. So stop asking. Now I admit that I will make it rain at the popcorn dude spot, but I'm good on the pink embroidered tee and hat combo. I do understand that in some way, form, or fashion, you have to drum up business for yourself, but I'm sure that there are others who actually desire your services and know exactly where to find you. I don't know. There's just something about the no exchange or return policy and the idea of the same person following me to the next four kiosks because you own them all that doesn't quite sit right with me. Look, if you really want my business, the first thing you could do is shut up and allow me the pleasure of discovery. The next thing you could do is start selling like some chocolate-covered almonds and those caramel turtles or something. Until then, I will just stick to the stores that I know will be there the next time I come to the mall. Sincerely, the guy that just told you no three minutes ago while walking the opposite way. Dear construction companies, may I ask a question? Why do you have Stay Back 100 feet plastered on the back of all of your trucks? Are you assuming that I can naturally gauge what 100 feet is with my naked eye? Or do you suspect that I ride around with a long-ass measuring stick dangling from my driver's side window? And what happens if I don't stay back 100 feet? What if I'm only 80 feet behind? What are you going to do? Call the measurement police on me? I fully understand that the placards on your trucks serve as a warning to drivers that debris could fly from the bed of the trucks and cause possible vehicle damage, personal harm, or even death. Trust me, I get it. 
But here's a thought. How about you guys fill your trucks with less shit so drivers don't have to worry about things like that happening? Then you could change all the signs on your trucks from stay back 100 feet to we're being extra careful so you don't have to. It's just a suggestion. You can think it over. Sincerely, Cam. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead bro. Oh, shit. I don't know what got into Cam, but it's time for our next segment. If you're black, we can't be friends. Oh, if Cam. Yes, sir. I'm going to tell you right now. If you're black, we can't be friends. If you can't successfully suck any food particle from every tooth using only your tongue. <laughs> Let's talk about that. <laughs> Bro, I don't know where toothpicks was invented, but it had to be white folks, man, because black folks don't need them. Man, look at I cleaned out all my bicuspids full of sunflower seed, bro. One time, <laughs> and I didn't even all. I didn't even bring in the pinky fingernail, so that's bro, all you need. That's a combo kit. Your tongue and that pinky nail. I think that's a sound bite. It is now. Check it out, man. If you're black, we can't be friends. If at some point growing up, your family did not have bootleg cable. Let's talk about it. Because I know we had it in three of the four houses we lived in. And it was probably all connected by one single cable. <laughs> one single cable. Everybody watching the same channel. I think that's where the 600-foot coaxial cable came from that you can find at Sam's Club. Because you know they sell everything in bulk. Y'all didn't have that dude in y'all neighborhood? <laughs> the hookup man? Oh, everybody had the hookup that, cable. That came guy. around and hooked you up with the cable? 50 bucks, I'll make sure I get you free cable. And then the city would ride around in their trucks because they got onto it and they started looking for it, running from their lines. Asshole. Messed up my childhood. <laughs> That's what we owe this to. Remember the Spice Channel? And it used to be all scrambled and you used to try to look at the little naked pictures? No. They'd be all pixelated? No. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Black Podcast. Over the break, me and Dre, we had a little discussion going on. Actually turned into a debate. So I reached out to real good dude, my boy Khalil Nasir. Will soon be Dr. Khalil Nasir. I'm claiming that for you, bro. I'm claiming oh, that for congratulations, you. Congratulations, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. I still got a long ways to go. You know, the journey is uh, just getting started. You that got don't this, mean man. he has any expertise in this category, though. Well, see, he's the one with the doctor credentials. Mm. So we're going to go by what he say. Doctor credentials. All right, Khalil. <laughs> so check this out, man. What's going on, fam? Solve this debate for us, bro. Who would win in a fight? Daffy or Donald Duck, and tell us why. <laughs> I'm counting on you, bro. I'm counting on it's you. It's an easy oh, one, man. man. It's an easy one. Daffy or Donald Duck? It's, it's an easy one, man. Who would win in a fight? Oh, man. I'm going to have to go with uh, Daffy, man. Brother, every time, no, no, baby. No, 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 Donald. I'm going to have to go with Donald. <sighs> Thank nah. you. I'm going to have to go with Donald. Nah. Thank yeah, you. I'm going to tell you why. Donald be squabbing all the time, man. Thank you. <laughs> Donald got mental Daddy, issues. <laughs> but he take the lick and he keep on ticking, man. Elmer can't stop that dude, man. And I'm gonna tell you why, Daffy. I'm gonna tell you. He even get the brakes bit off of him. <laughs> but he put it back on and he good. I'm gonna tell you one one reason that Daffy got the advantage. All he got to do is start talking, and the spit is going to get in Donald's eye, and he will not be able to see anymore. And all he got to do is light him up from there. Man, listen. Daffy Duck gets Man. his ass beat every episode. Every episode. Every episode. If you look at and Donald. Not the brightest. If you look at Donald Duck, man, Donald got mental issues. He got, he got that strength. 
<laughs> but he, he got anger and rage issues, man. But he's never had spit in his eye, though. You see what I'm saying? He ain't never had definitely spit in his eye, man. That's All right, toxic. bro. Listen, man, we're going to hit you back. Well, I'm going to hit you back up after we finish recording the podcast. I don't hey, trust him. No. I just no, needed no, somebody. No, I just needed somebody of sound mind to help solve this debate for us. And you came through for me, bro. So I appreciate that. No worries, man. No worries. Peace and blessings. All right, man. Where are you folks at when you need them? <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, the next segment is our Q&A segment. We had so many great questions last week, and we love it when you guys hit us up on Facebook or Twitter or email, letting us know what you thought about our answers. Sometimes you agree with them and sometimes you don't, but uh, we love hearing back from you guys. So remember to write in to The Black Podcast. That's theblackpodcast at gmail.com with any question you may have, any subject, any topic. Does not matter. We will answer it to the best of our abilities, which is not really saying much. We are your unofficial guides. But we will answer them. So up first, we have Sandy from Florida. Hi, Sandy. Sandy asks, Sandy. as you reflect on 2017, did you accomplish the majority of the things you purposed? If not, what would you have liked to do? See, this one hurts because I have to be honest. I did not do 75% of the stuff that I, I wanted to do. <laughs> I really didn't. I had a family situation that came up that took me out of the game for a minute. And so just in taking care of that, I lost a lot of time. So a lot of the stuff that I wanted to get done, I wasn't able to get done. What would it have been? Definitely more writing. I haven't done much writing at all over the past few months. Some stuff here and there, but not nearly as much as I would have liked to. So I'm going to tell you, it's easy for me because I set my standards for myself so low that I can accomplish everything. (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's the best way to do it. That's how you get over the top, man. Yes, that man had a plan. I'm kidding, people. Look, I did most of my stuff. (laughs) It centers around the industry. So I was able to shoot more because thanks to a couple of friends and mentors and people who had projects, I was actually able to film more and learn a lot more about cinematography, which is something else that I wanted to do. One of the biggest goals that I did want to do was win the writer to watch for at the TPN annual film festival, which I did win that. So it's good. On to the next, we have Nick from Georgia. Nick asks, I have a few friends who have complained about online dating Why is online dating so hard? I think because it's unnatural, just my short form answer. I think people put too much into curating an image behind a phone or computer and not projecting their actual selves. And once you actually meet that person, it's not there because you never really got to know the person that you were texting or inboxing behind the scenes. Nick, if face-to-face dating was so easy, there would be no reason for online dating. So My answer is that dating is hard, period, because it's almost like each time you meet somebody, you're starting all over from the beginning. So you have to tell them about yourself, tell them who you are, tell them where you're from, tell them about your parents, tell them about your family, tell them about your career. People get tired of that. And it doesn't matter whether it's an electronic environment or a face to face at a park, man, it's a difficult situation. So it all takes patience. It takes tenacity. It takes that certain thing that's going to put you above everybody else. Because when I was single, I did some online dating. And I had slight success with it. It took time. Um, and I can imagine that it's slightly tougher now because so many people are probably out there in that pool because it's, it's picked up in popularity now. And it is more natural now than it used to be. But I think dating is tough, period. So you just have to be patient and be willing to wait for what it is that you want and make yourself above everybody else. Our next question comes from Chris from Alabama. 
Chris writes, black people have used many sayings to let each other know that they are sincere, such as word is bond on everything. I put that on my mom, son. <laughs> Keeping it 100 real talk and many more. The latest one grabs me, annoys me and makes me want to ask, why do you say that? And that's for real, for real. Explain your view on this new one. Does saying for real one time not mean as much as saying it twice? Are you not real if you say it once? Chris, there's really no explanation to it. There's really no rhyme or reason for it. It's just black people. We creative like that. Personally, I don't like the saying myself, but I mean, I get it. That's just us being black. And I kind of agree with Cam. I think it gets a lot deeper than that in some other phrases that black people use sometimes, like the no homo thing or the uh, sometimes even my word is bond because it's almost like you have to pre-qualify. And why would you have to do that if your word is really your bond? But for the most part, a lot of it has to do with flavor. And I think some of it has to do with the person's sketchiness to begin with. Now you can't say for real because your last for real was a lie. So now you have to say it <laughs> twice. You got to double down on your for real. So. That's kind of what I see. I think it depends on that level. I think for real, for real is a harmless one. You know, I think when you start putting it on people, then I think you need to question the person's morality and uh, their honesty. And in all honesty, if you search yourself, Chris, I bet you there's one or two I sayings you that there. you say all the time <laughs> that if you think about it, you'll catch it and you'll be like, you know what? That's really the same as saying for real, for real. So real our talk, next son. question, where does Bond be? Comes from Anonymous. Anonymous writes, what's the best way to approach a guy you're interested in? Should the girl make the first move or wait for him to make it? I'll tell you this. In today's age, women want to be looked at as strong and having the ability to do anything a man can do. So there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with a woman seeing something that she likes and going after it and approaching it. The best way to do it, because you are beautiful in every way and in all aspects, and you take almost absolutely no effort for a man to give you the attention. So all you have to do is look like you're going to walk up or walk by and you will instantly garner his attention. <laughs> I guarantee you that. So it doesn't take much. You don't need any tricks or anything else like that. It's always best to just be who you are. Go get your man, girl. Go get him, girl. Don't be standing back because you're all sure. shy or because mm. social constructs or norms Patch say that. Weave, honey. <laughs> <laughs> this dude is stupid <laughs> because social constructs say that you should wait until the man approaches you. This is not the Victorian age. If you see someone that you're interested in, there's nothing wrong with you making the first step by you standing back waiting on him. You don't know what assumption he's under. He may think that you're with someone. He may not have even seen you. So you're going to waste an opportunity because you're worried about what society says is the rule when society itself is screwed up. Girl, go get your man quit playing. Then you're going to be on Facebook posting up talking about, why come all the good men's is taken? Because you didn't say anything. Don't be scared. That's it. Hey, is that it? That's it. That's it, y'all. We have another one in the can. And we appreciate you guys taking this ride with us. So don't forget, guys, go find us on all, or, well, most of your favorite podcast sites, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, SoundCloud. We are posting the links on Twitter, on Facebook. Share, like, rate, review. Tell your friends about us. Tell us about us. Um, and you can find me, Dre, on the social media sites on Twitter at life underscore scripts. That's scripts with a Z at the end. And on Instagram at life scripts, one word, still with a Z. And on Facebook at Andre L. McDowell, M-C-D-O-W. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Cameron Todd Scott. And I can be found on Twitter at Cameron T. Scott. Where can they find us? Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Come on. At The Black Podcast. Hey, we have to take this opportunity to give a shout out to our executive producer, Christy Latham. Christmas tree. 
in the basement <laughs> of Studio C in Atlanta, Georgia, y'all. Hey, we love you guys, and we thank you guys for hanging out with us, and we'll see you again soon. And we out. <laughs>